Well, today on the next phase with Steve Key podcast, Tyler Pigott is experienced creating ambitious visions and putting legs to that vision to achieve from growing teams to revenues to attractive culture. He often speaks on creating clear vision, simplifying that vision to get others to buy in, assembling a team to help you achieve that vision and implementing a plan to achieve results. All really important things in today's ever-changing workforce. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little today. Uh, so sound advice for teams. And uh, Tyler is joining me from about an hour south of Seattle. So it's uh, still early morning uh, for him. But uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Steve. It's fun to be here. That uh, that intro makes me feel like I've got a lot to answer and a lot to talk through. So <laughs> well, I, I'm fun. sure we'll find a lot of common ground. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm hoping to pick up some some points in this. The idea of, uh, you talk about the idea of having a clear vision. Why is this important? It's a great question. Um, you know, honestly, I feel like, at least for me and my experience throughout my career, and even on the personal side of life, I should say for most people, is um, the vision really helps drive, right? It helps point you in the direction that you want to go. And honestly, I feel like it acts as a even decision-making filter, you know, uh, from, from, uh, from hiring, you know, hiring people or building teams to, you know, different directions you might go with products or services to, you know, any, any decision that you might make, uh, on a personal side too, you know, as far as like, how is it connecting to your vision? How are the things that you're making decisions on, um, pushing you towards that vision you might have either near term or, or, you know, way out in the future. I, uh, I've been very lucky over the years to work for some incredible organizations and to work with incredible people. Years ago, uh, uh, a, a colleague who was kind of passing through as a boss uh-huh. said to me, looked at me, and I was struggling at different points and said, you need to sit back and sort of proclaim your rarity. Hmm. And and I kind of shook my head at that one. And And what she was trying to tell me is that to find what I did really well and create my job, my career, my my yeah. almost my own personal brand and that based on that. And it was maybe the best piece of advice I'd ever achieved. Mm. Does this vision idea hold true for personal brands as well? Yeah, I think 100%. You know, I think it has, you know, those short-term visions sometimes of, Maybe it's healthy lifestyle, or it's uh, a family family scenario, or environment, or atmosphere you're trying to create, or you know uh, hobbies you might have. I think it's important to have goals and all those, and have a vision of what you want to create and all those. Um, and so, I mean, like in, for me personally, there's a lot of different things I want to achieve uh, on the on the personal side of my life, and having those, having that vision, having a detailed vision for that, having it written down has been incredibly helpful for me to help focus on, Hey, if I'm thinking out, you know, six months or 12 months throughout this year, what are the things that I want to dive into? What are the things I want to tackle? Um, and it all does point back to the vision that, you know, I've set up for, for my life. Um, so, but I love that vision or that, uh, kind of piece of advice or nugget, if you will, um, from your past boss, I think it's very true. Well, I think you go through different stages in your life and different organizations or companies that you uh, work for or work with have their own idea of what vision and culture should be. Hmm. How how do how do they make sure they maintain that direction and, and are able to accomplish their goals? How do they keep their eye on the ball? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And honestly, I feel like it shifts for a lot of people. 
Um, I would say, you know, uh, in a from a small business, so say startup uh, or, or in entry to to the to the workspace, I think it's really important to have a vision. I think it's really important to have that vision connected to an individual's passion, right? Because there's an individual that's going to help push that forward, or a small team of you know maybe leadership or executives that are going to help push that forward. When you get to the Fortune 50, it's a little bit different, but at the same standpoint. Um, you, that vision is inc incredibly important to have passion around because those are the things that really help you infuse that into your culture and infuse that into the direction that you're planning on going as a business. And that what's generally what makes it fun to get out of bed in the morning for the employees or the people that are you know just joining teams that make you attractive and want to work there and from a recruiting standpoint. So it, I would say it all trickles down um, uh, no matter the size of the organization. Are there tips for building culture? Yeah, uh, it has changed a lot in the last couple of years, to be honest, uh, based on how you build that culture. I would say kind of some overall frameworks or kind of tips and tricks, you know, as far as kind of building culture is. I think people in this day and age, no matter what their age or their generation or, or, or what they're into, really appreciate um, authenticity and, and being genuine. Um, I think people see right through it when you're not. I think people see right through when you are using them as a game piece to achieve something maybe in your business. Um, and so I think that authenticity helps build trust. And I would say most of us are all in a, in a business of trust. We're selling trust in a lot of ways, um, whether that's a product you sell, a service you sell, you know, a team you're building, recruiting, anything like that is all about trust. And so I think figuring out ways in which you can pursue that authenticity and that being, you know, being genuine and being transparent um, as an executive or as an owner on a business, I think is one of the main things that I would, that I would encourage people to focus on. Up to, you know, two years ago, we were able to go to offices and <laughs> be able to interact and, and sort of thrive off the culture of, of, of other co-workers yeah the pandemic changed that and it 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 has changed our world into uh one that's a combination now of in-person and remote culture mm -hmm. so if a, an organization or a company has to deal with remote employees how do they maintain that culture yeah it's a great question here's what i would recommend because we've done it um and i would say you kind of have to throw out the old culture um, anytime you're like adapting, you know, say you're going remote in this scenario and there's people all over the place or have moved potentially, or you're hiring outside of your, you know, general kind of geographic area, you can't just assume that you're the way you held staff meetings before you're just going to try to recreate that. You know, I'm thinking stand up meetings, standing around a conference room, it's not going to be the same. So you really do have to like go reset. Let's treat it differently. Let's decide how we're going to do it differently. It's different for every organization. You might have different agendas. You might start differently. You might start with different styles of icebreakers or questions or, you know, anything like that. But it's got to be, you can't just assume that the remote culture or the video, Zoom, Google, whatever the thing is that you're using to connect is just going to replace the old culture. You really do have to take a, you know, 10,000 foot view of, hey, how, how do you create a new environment? for people that are all over the place. Um, a couple of examples are, you know, oftentimes I think many of us have been on those, you know, Zoom calls and whatnot, and there's all these people and individuals in all the different squares, you know, on maybe a gallery view, but then you've got one square that has 10 or 12 people in it, and they're all sitting around a conference room and somebody makes a joke or somebody says something and everyone responds in that room, but nobody else heard it. 
Well, now instantly you've got an us versus them type of a mentality that is not going to work well inside of a company. And so we've encouraged some people. So we do have a couple of different um, satellites, if you will, where there's multiple people working in one place. And we encourage them on those group calls to be individual. They, they're not, don't jump all in the same call together, but be individuals and go kind of in separate offices or, or spread out a little bit so that you're interacting the same way so that everyone does feel included and it feels like the same experience. So I think there's lots of different things like that, that you can start doing that are really simple. They're not overly crazy, overly crazy asks to help people, you know, try to engage with their culture. But I think you do have, you just have to take a step back and how do you recreate uh, and re redo something a little different, not just assume it's a replacement of what you used to have. It's funny that, you know, I was so used to almost my entire career working and going to an office. Yeah. And then in the last year of my full-time work, uh, yeah. immediately changing over to Zoom. Now, prior to, you know, Zoom or Teams or any of the, these things, we would have, you know, quite a few conference calls, you know, so on the phone. Yep. All of a sudden, Zoom changed that dynamic where you can actually see me and if I'm looking at you and I'm not doing 10 other things while I'm on that call. Right. So Zoom has helped. But boy, you know, from an evolution perspective, we went from like zero to 60 miles an hour, like overnight, it was, and and as humans, we had to adapt Hmm. and adopt this new way of, of, of of living. And, and uh, I'm sure we, in some cases, organizations probably did take a step back, Hmm. but I think now it's limitless of what's a possibility. Cause you know, as you're talking, whether you have people in remote locations, now, if you're going to use online tools, People can be just about anywhere yeah. and still contribute to your overall vision for your company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have employees in 14 different states and don't have a headquarters anymore. Um, so we're hundred percent remote. Everyone's spread out uh, and it's, and it's worked great. We know we didn't really miss, miss a beat during the kind of shutdown when many, many organizations did. Um, I'd say kind of to add on to that though, what is different is, is that, you know, when you think about all of us jumping in those Zoom calls, you know, you kind of you you've oftentimes have an agenda or a topic that you're jumping into and, you know, you jump straight into it. You like, you know, everyone's on there, you go through the agenda, you start discussing. And then when you're done, you, you log off. And what you miss, though, if you remember is spending, I've spent tons of time in, uh, in office environments. You miss that, you know, shoulder to shoulder when you're walking down the hall to that conference room and you're missing the reheating of a coffee, or a coffee cup or whatever. And you're, there's no dialogue around that. And so you do have to remember how do you build that in so that it's not just all transactional interactions and relationship building, because then there isn't any. And then it's very uh, the culture becomes somewhat stiff pretty quickly. So I'm not saying overdoing it and doing all these cheesy things, but oftentimes we build in a couple minutes on either end so that it's not this like, uh, I, I call it the freeway on-ramp versus off-ramp. You're not starting at 60 miles an hour or, or 70 miles an hour on the freeway. You've got an on-ramp and an off-ramp to get to normal speeds. And so oftentimes you need to build those in, which they don't exist in the remote land. And so you kind of have to have some sort of a realistic uh, approach to it. But yes, very different than working in person, working in offices, rubbing shoulders with people. Um, and I think that there's you've got to figure out a hybrid in, in, in some way, shape, or form, because I don't think everybody can function that way uh, forever. Um, so, yeah. I speak a lot at, uh, at colleges and to, to students who are getting into the workforce. And 
you know, a lot of these these kids in their 20s uh, have have had you know technology and and a lot of these tools available to them their entire life. So different yeah. from someone like me at 59 who who has had to learn all of this stuff. But do you think that the remote environment and the the, the, the it, it brings more challenges to the young people trying to to learn what it's like to be in an office environment and understand what the needs are of a company? That's a great question. I would say I have a little bit of a mixed opinion on it. In some ways, I would say the younger generations that grew up with it, uh, they don't struggle with it. There's no difference. They're used to jumping on a, uh, a FaceTime call or a video call with their friends. You know, I have a, I have a 13 year old right now and she FaceTimes with friends and you're kind of going, so when she enters the workforce, and has these tools, she's jumping straight into it. So that's a positive, I would say, because there's no, they don't act different, look different, function differently on video. They're generally, they're pretty interactive on video. You know, it's a very uh, engaging experience just because they're used to it and they have lots of practice. Whereas in some of us that didn't necessarily grow up that way, we've kind of had to learn how to function in a video environment. I would say the downside of it is there are different people skills, soft skills, uh, body language cues, many of those things that they potentially have to learn or pick up or figure out because of the fact that, you know, especially the last, you know, two years in some of those school environments, they aren't in person at all. They're doing most of it. You know, it could be on demand. Some of it might be live, some of it might be small group type things, but they're not in person. So I'd say that's the negative side to where, there is a little bit of a learning curve, potentially a greater one for some, where you do have to figure out, well, what is a, an appropriate interaction and not appropriate, like it's a negative thing, but appropriate as in like, how do you read people's body language or, or, or communicate with them or, you know, in, a, in an office type environment or setting where there's a group of people. So it does go both ways. I feel like there's some positives to it and some negatives. Yeah, the, 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 the work place environment is so different depending on the industry you're in, depending yeah. on where you're located, you know, the the age of your employees. But you're right about, you know, picking up on those cues, the sort of the social interaction of dealing with different people in different phases of their career. You know, you yeah. want people to to learn, the younger people to learn from the seasoned workers. And mentors mm-hmm. are very important. And 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 finding the right people to help you in your career journey is so vital and so important. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's interesting because I would say that there's, I mean, I've had talked to numerous different kind of college students, young twenties in the last two years, and I'm encouraging them to actually go find jobs where they can be in person. Um, Because I think that it's important to learn it because they've already figured out how to work remotely and do schoolwork remotely and engage with people remotely and on social media. And I mean, all the, the tools that they have at their disposal now um, and so I, I've encouraged many to try to figure out a way in which there is that type of an option. Maybe it's not a full-time thing. Maybe it's a couple of days a week, but it's, there's something to where that's an option versus, you know, the isolation sometimes that can occur if you don't know how to go build your own community, or your own friend circles, or your own things outside of work or, or within a professional space too. Um, and I think that that, I think it's an important skill set to learn. Cause I think if you already come from a, you know, remote world, video digital tool world, you already get that part. That's not the hard part to learn. The hard part to learn is really the the people skills uh, that are different when you're in person versus not. But I think it carries over. It carries over easier when you've learned it in person to video versus the other the other direction. 
Well, I, I, I thank you for your time uh, today. Uh, great chat. And uh, let's hope we can all you know, achieve the visions that we want to achieve. So I thank you for this today. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Thanks for having me. Uh, the next phase podcast is up on all the networks. Uh, always looking for great uh, storytellers, great information. Talk a lot about business. Talk a lot about communications and leadership. And uh, happy to have you on. So just drop me a line. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful and safe day. <laughs>